Can we um, move into a little bit of a logistical kind of look? So one of the biggest challenges I know a lot of child psychiatrists have when they're thinking about integrated care is sort of how the heck am I going to fund this and, you know, think about sort of sustainability. So how is your program funded and how have you thought about kind of trying to continue to build that sustainability piece of things? Yeah. So um, I think um, health systems are getting it. Mm. This I've watched change uh, since I started. In this time. Yeah, definitely change. Um, that health systems get that uh, our conditions cost money. Right. Uh, our conditions that our, ch- our kiddos run into impact families. And when families are impacted, they don't go to work. Right. So there's a lot of uh, morbidity associated with childhood mental health concerns mm-hmm. that if you treat will improve outcomes. So um, now when we started, that data wasn't as uh, solid as it is now. So basically when we started, it was because our pediatricians felt like they, they needed support in right. getting behavioral health interventions and they wanted to do more but they felt like they couldn't so um i've talked to a lot of people that do this across the nation it's amazing how many pediatric groups are paying out of their own pocket to support this program yeah so when you said that the the pediatrics groups you know put up the start i I was actually wow that's amazing they'll still say that to this day (laughs) this comes out of our pocket i had someone say that to me last week yeah um we're looking to redesign a little bit and they were like you can't alter our system we pay, you, you for, pay this. for this. Yeah. We pay for this because we think it's value added. That's what he said. That was our medical director. We pay for this service because it, is it a value added service? Yeah. So, 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 how to say this? But is that the primary like funding structure for the program? Is is that sort of charge or fee to the the pediatric practices, or do you get some from insurance or? Yeah. yeah. So, well, they um, they bill. They bill, right? They bill, and they see a lot of patients. Yeah. So, which is why we haven't been able to convert to like more of an impact or a, a full collaborative care model with a care manager within direct services, because we're really reliant on our therapists to bill and um, and bring revenue in. Right. And our psychiatrists need to bill and bring revenue in too. I mean, okay. we see a lot of patients. Yeah. Um, but psychiatrists can't cover themselves. No. Child psychiatrists. It's very world. hard. Yeah. It's very hard to do that, <laughs> yeah. Um, and and it's impossible to do it and see thirty minute visits at this point. Right. So, right. Um, so we're really reliant on our therapists. Um, we do in order to support the psychiatrist. There is an additional amount of money in, that needs to come in, and our um, our pediatric groups uh, pay that. Um, sadly, what was called a tax. Oh. So. That's not so pleasant. We keep trying to rename it, but I guess if I have another piece of advice, don't ever want any, let anyone use the word tax. <laughs> Associated with your program. With your program, because people don't like taxes. Yeah. Incentives. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> administrative oversight fee. Sure, sure. Okay, so the therapists are billing incident to the physicians in that practice. They're bringing in revenue. Sounds like they're sort of mostly covering themselves. Oh, they are covering they're themselves. They're covering themselves. Awesome. Totally. And then the the bit that's not getting covered in terms of psychiatrists from the revenue they're bringing in 
is largely being covered by the pediatric practices. Yep. And then how about like admin and stuff? Is that also kind of covered? So when you talk about our pediatric primary care program, Mm -hmm. it's all covered through that. Okay. Now we have other programs that do not have as much revenue um, just because of the amount of patients they see, frankly, and the complexity of what they're doing. But yeah, no, if you're just talking about our pediatric program, which is huge and sees tens of thousands of visits a year, they're all covering. That's awesome. That's really exciting. Um, so I don't, I don't want to ask anything about actual dollar numbers, but yeah. how about just like percentages? Like, do you have a sense of like how much of the operating budget of the program gets covered by the revenue brought in from clinical billing versus the administrative oversight fee? Well, so uh, the administrative oversight fee is set, actually, for our pr- program. Now, remember, we're a large practice. So right. if it's a practice anywhere within the region mm-hmm. that can see one of our patients, um, we have we have a set amount they pay. Okay. And it's like a subscription. Basically. Yeah. And then if at the end of, at the end of the year there's money left, we, we pay back. We rebate. And we did a couple times. That's In addition, cool. yeah. the practices are allowed to do their own incentives to get the therapist to see more patients. And some of them do that. And some of them do that. The early adopters do that a lot. Interesting. And okay. it's effective. It's very effective. Oh, that's so interesting. Okay. Um, that's really helpful. I appreciate it. I know it's, it's a little bit challenging sometimes to talk about the financial side of things, but I think so, much, so many of us that are trying to do this work, that's a lot of where we're getting tripped up or thinking about sort of future, or, you know, the ability to scale or, or, or expand um, as we're getting stuck. So. Um, you mentioned a number of times the importance of sort of the people on the team. Um, so can you say a little more about sort of who's on your team, who's on sort of leadership for the program? How did you develop that team? Um, well, that's a, that's a multi, there's multiple parts to that question. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, because if you get to do this long enough, you get to put a team underneath you, right. which is cool. Um, because we've been so successful, we've been able to expand out into specialty services and into adult services and into adult specialty services and into OBGYN. So now I'm my team has gotten tons bigger yeah. than it was. Yeah. Um, uh, but, um, you know, as an aside, I've thought a lot about who makes a good member of the team for this. And they need to be flexible, mm-hmm. really flexible. Mm-hmm. They need to be able to think on their feet. And they need to be sort of excited about playing in someone else's sandbox everyone the administrators too because they got to play in a different sandbox too right Um, and even our medical administrators we work with have to learn a lot to sort of manage the behavioral health part but um but when we started our team was really my lead therapist Mm -hmm. myself Mm -hmm. our medical director Mm -hmm. who she happened the therapist happened to be working in his office because they were the early adopter right but it also meant they had a really tight relationship yeah um and a lead administrator we did have a leadership team then that met less frequently. Okay. Um, that was the executive team that would meet to sort of bust down barriers if they happened. So um, someone from our um, from our local psychiatry uh, hospital, mm-hmm. uh, someone from the children's hospital. But you sort of bring them in more ad hoc. They, yeah, we had. I think we, when we started, we had quarterly meetings with them. Okay. Oh, no, okay. Um, but the but the true leadership team, that sort of four person team. Uh, at least three of us met at least weekly for a while. Okay, so medical director, administrative leader, you as the director of the program and psychiatrist, and the lead therapist. Yep. Okay. And then how far along did you feel like you needed to uh, like add like another layer? Does that make sense? 
or, yeah. or to expand out kind of you know horizontally and add more you know sort of leadership. That's a complicated question. I think it's really local based on how much you need and how much people can do. But you do need to constantly stay on that. Like, do we have enough structure in place? So, yeah, okay. uh, You know, what I've noticed in academic centers as well as in maybe community mental health centers is they start with a lot of structure in place, Mm -hmm. maybe too much structure in place. Yeah. uh, You could argue. Um, Whereas when you're in a primary care office, it's different. Right. We started with, you know, bare bone structure yeah. in place. Um, and, and I, you know, I haven't done a full collaborative care model with a care coordinator and using G codes. Perhaps you need more structure to get those moving. Sure. Um, but even so, if you're in a primary care office, you're not going to have the ability to have as many people surrounding you as you might say in a psychiatric hospital. Of course. Right. So and, and you have to find a way to operate and thrive with that. Right. So we are always asking, do we have enough right. for how we're growing? Yeah. Um, in fact, just last week, do we have enough yeah. for how we're growing? And when, when can we have enough money to build the next person in? There you go. Um, so in general, this sort of team and leadership, sort of another piece is now, now that you've you know really gotten a lot you know, bigger, and how do you make plans and decisions for this program? You know, how much of it is coming kind of more from the top? How do you kind of get input from your different team members. How does that work for you guys now? I wish there was a simple answer for that. So I think if you're going to be a psychiatric medical director, it's probably true for medical directors too, you need to have a concept of a vision Mm -hmm. and not be afraid to try things that may or may not work. Sure. Um, But realize that you can't always control the path. Right. Um, if we don't have enough, I don't have enough money to fund my program. So, um, I often say like, we need to keep the lights on. So yeah. like, what are we going to do to keep the lights on and, pre- and, and provide high quality care? Um, but you know, I, I think I've been successful because I ally with as many people that I think are hard workers that are going to help that have a shared vision with me. They're going to help me move forward. So right. maybe allying with people you don't expect. So, mm. um, uh, our advocacy liaison for Children's Hospital has become a huge uh, advocate for me. Oh, um, and I go to Harrisburg, which is our state capital, and to D.C. whenever she wants me to, and, and I can get out of my schedule to yeah. talk to legislators. And what she does is tells me when money's coming down the pike. And it may yeah. not be a lot, but, you know, in our world, a little bit go, can go a long, a long way. way. Yeah, and right. um, we build things brick at a time sometimes. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, allying with who's ever got a shared sort of vision with you mm-hmm. that you feel like you can trust. Um, I've even uh, become very close to some of my adult co- colleagues uh, because we realized we had this shared idea of, of sort of playing in other people's playgrounds. And right. How do we move that forward? I so I've become very close with our substance use providers because we the AAP recommendation came out for um, substance screening and they needed help, and they asked us for help, which was awesome. That's great. Um, and then I needed help. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Allies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Great. Um, so as, as we're finishing up, I want to ask uh, kind of uh, two little things. You know, you've been, you know, you've developed this program. It's been growing over this last, you know, another decade plus. In terms of where you are right now, what are still kind of one or two things that you're really hoping to improve upon in the next couple of years? Oh, what a good question. Um, Our network has a strong 
care coordination on the medical side, which I think is true most places now because it was funded sort of post-Obamacare. Sure. Um, so we, we have a strong group of people that do care management, um, care coordination right. for the medical home. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really built in a silo to our program, which is interesting. Mm. Um, yeah. Although I know all of them yeah. and the care coordinators come to me. Yeah. We um, work together. Yeah. We work together. But uh, I would really love to see us somehow be able to sort of really capitalize on that relationship. Okay. Um, and and see how we can do a better job with the indirect needs that our families have. So right. we do a lot of direct care, and I think we do a lot of good with the direct care we provide. But uh, but there's definitely data that shows that you know being able to pick up the phone and get more information from schools and yes. uh, do a quick intervention with a family on the phone. Um, can make a big difference. So, um, and and doing measurement based care. So, I don't think we're doing enough measurement based care. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't figure out how to squeeze the system to get it get that extra to get it layer in a robust fashion. Right. I also think the measures aren't that good yet. We're still working on it as a field. Yeah. And so, would you envision really kind of allying with the existing medical care managers to do more of this, or to have more behavioral care managers? Yeah, so I go back and forth about that. So we have um, we have actually a robust care management group uh, that we've been able to fund through our tips program and with the help of our health plan. Another, I made an ally with a member of our health plan, um, and that was really helpful. So he never gives us as much money as I want, but he always gives (laughs) us a little bit of money, and um, we were able to really create a a, a stream of uh, of people that help support our TIPS program, but then also get training in how to do therapy and primary care. And so that means we're able to do a a bunch of the care management, but we have them interact very closely. Okay. Uh, There's so many needs. I don't think, you know, we could do all of it. Right. Um, So I think really capitalizing on those in-practice people so that we can really focus on the complex needs. What I'd love to see, I don't know whether I'll I'll ever get there, is uh, really taking a look at doing more coordinated interventions for the more complicated patients that are seen in primary care. Because the I know it's like we all have this nice idea that the most complicated patients are going to be seen in psychiatry and never in primary care. It doesn't work that But it's way. not ever going to work that yeah. way because the most complicated patients don't land. Yeah. And they land in their PCP's office. Right. So um, doing some sort of mechanism to help them either land in the right place sure. or help the PCP some of the most complicated patients might get better mm-hmm. if we give them adequate treatment. Right. So we're, we're about ready to try that for um, early intervention for substance use okay. um, to see if we can do this, um, get parent support on board, get a care coordinator who's trained in substance, and try to help those people land um, Oh, that'll be really exciting to see how that goes. In recovery, hopefully. Yeah. So. so, and then on the flip side of that, you know, thinking about this, you know, these past several years, you know, building this program, building this team, what are one or two things that you're just you're really proud of? You know, whether there's innovations, you know, things that set you apart, or, or just experiences that really stand out for you in this journey so far. Um, I, I mean, I'm I'm I don't know whether this is the right way to say it, but the first thing that comes to my mind is our pediatricians. Okay. I mean, the the growth I've seen in our network is just amazing, and I must say, say once a week, like. Pediatricians are amazing. Yeah, yeah. Not all are. of them, and not all people are amazing. No, but, no, um, no, no. And not just our pediatricians in CCP, but across Western Pennsylvania, I've seen them all start to sort of take on new things and try Rescue new things. Rescue a lot of them. 
We are asking a lot of them, but they give a lot already. Yeah, yeah, right, right. (laughs) So it's really recognizing what they already have done. Mm -hmm. But I I think about what I'm proud of. I think we've really dropped the bar for stigma in terms of substance in Western PA. Sorry, in terms of, I want to drop substance next. (laughs) We've already dropped the bar in terms of behavioral health. I mean, I think it's going on everywhere, Mm -hmm. but, um, but we're really... Access is it, yeah, um, and, and we've we've got it, which is good. Um, I, I'm also quite proud of the substance screening that we've done. I think yeah. that's really been exciting, and to watch pediatricians get really excited about motivational interviewing, and get really excited and ask me to do things that even I didn't think they'd ask me to do. Like we want more information about this, we want more information about that. They just want to help. They're getting invested. They're getting invested. And um, when we started our substance use initiative, I literally had. My early adopters say, I don't know how we're even going to ask these questions. Mm. Um, for example, one said to me, you know, our parents just got used to the gun question. Now <laughs> now we have to ask about this. Yeah. Um, but they did it. Yeah. And they, the more they did it, the more they wanted. Right. Um, so we had a long way to go, but um, it's, uh, it's exciting to watch the growth. Um, I guess I'm also, one more thing I'm proud of yeah, is yeah. that we did so well that we really expanded across the lifespan. So mm-hmm. I don't think, as we know, kids are kids' brains until 25, which means we have other providers we need to work with. To yeah, absolutely. To kind of move that forward. Postpartum depression needs to be managed. And um, I work now with a geriatric psychiatrist like on a regular basis. So um, it's Cradle a family grade, thing. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's absolutely right. That's awesome. Uh, so last question, just thinking about your program and maybe even the broader field in terms of collaborative and early care with, with pediatrics, where do you see these, where do you see this whole thing going? Where, where could it go and, you know, where, where, what should we be thinking about? Well, we need more data. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is funny because I started my job saying we just need more services. Well, we still need more services, but you need data to drive services. We, we've reached that maturity now that we've got yeah. to get that now. Yeah, we need more data. Um, we need more models that really reach the needs of multiple kids, mm-hmm. um, which is the same problem we have in the whole field. I mean, sure. I, I think the collaborative care model, which I talk about a lot, is, is an important thing we need to be thinking about, but it's still not a broadband intervention. Mm-hmm. Um, you do an intervention for depression, you exclude PTSD. Right. Um, even even the disruptive behavior disorders excluded PTSD. So there's a lot of talking about going on talking about ACEs mm-hmm. and how important that is. And our collaborative care models don't really incorporate incorporate that, that piece. So um, so yeah, I don't know exactly where it's going to go. I think we need to be thinking about more data. Where do we go next? And trying trying real world interventions and mm-hmm. seeing what the outcomes are. Mm-hmm. And being prepared to flex with the financial system. Right, right. A key theme, I think, in our discussion, the, the critical nature of flexibility from even that individual clinical encounter, but all the way up to the systems level issues. As well. And the financial system. Yeah. Yep. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation. Thanks so much, Dr. Schlesinger. Um, and, um, you know, I think you've given us a lot to think about in terms of how successful programs can be developed. and. Um, and really maybe some of the things that we can look forward to in the next couple of years. Um, I think you have a lot to be proud of in terms of this program and the impact you're having in your community. Um, and, uh, you know, for, for those of us, uh, for those of you listening, um, you know, we'll continue to try to highlight uh, folks across the country that are developing different models and, and styles and, and aspects of integrated care, and we'll find ways to learn together. That'll be exciting. 
so again, thanks a lot, Dr. Schlesinger. Thank you. Um, and I'm Saurabh Sangat. I'm your host. And um, we'll uh, see you next time. Take care.